when you started the show, if you have this a little background of this before yeah. the show or this music in the background, right before you start the show to yeah. have this, it's, I think it will look nice. And then end it on this music too. Okay. Hello and welcome to another episode of Winners Only Club, the number one podcast in the Hamptons and beyond. We interview business owners, entrepreneurs, people who are making a difference. With us today is a treasure from Central Asia. He is the favorite and only Afghan in the Hamptons. His clients include Serena Williams, Tim Howard, and the Sarkozy's. Is that how you say it? Sarkozy's. Sarkozy's, the French people. Today we have the privilege, pleasure, and honor to be with Timur Zamani. He is probably the only Afghan in the Hamptons, standing strong in his heritage here in the Hamptons. Everyone, welcome Timor. Thank you. Thank you. Before we start, I, we didn't have time, but I, I have to offer you a cup of tea. That's We have to keep the traditions alive, you know. So this is green tea. Um, please. Thank you. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Did you add honey to it? No, there's just, uh, there's actually, yeah, there's a little bit of honey there and there's cardamom. Mm, I yeah, like it. Yeah. Very nice. To start off the podcast, did you hear about the recent news where Prince Harry said that he killed 25 people, that they were chess pieces, and that he didn't feel pride nor shame in doing so? How could you not hear that? It was all over the news and uh, it's very sad I think when any time it doesn't matter what side where you come from what do you do when you when when it has to do with killing war and any it's just sad and especially when you have to brag about killing or or, or just not think of, of a human as a human you know it's it's very sad and I don't think it's gonna help him his country his family nothing you know so it's very sad and uh, as Afghans, you know, we know that a lot of innocent people got killed in that 18, 19 year war. So the, the, the fact that he says 25, you know, who knows? They were civilians, they were just fighters, who, who were they, you know? Uh, so it's, it's just very sad to hear that. And he was like, I didn't see them as humans. I had to see them as not non-humans in order to, to do it. And And then there were people, you know, saying that just because someone was in the Taliban, Taliban or Taliban? Taliban. They were, and then there were people saying that, wait, hold on, I just wanna see if it makes a difference if I cross my legs like this. No, yeah. it's fine, like this is better, okay. And then the people that were in the Taliban, Taliban? Taliban. Taliban, okay. Taliban. And more importantly, the people that were in the Taliban, they were parents or husbands or children. They weren't just people in the Taliban. Exactly. I mean, um, a lot of those Taliban are young fighters. They're, they're sort of brainwashed. And because of all, all these years of war, you know, you have kids being uh, taken to madrasas and then they're kind of brainwashed and, and from a young age. And then they think they're fighting for their country. They think they're uh, freedom fighters, you know, against the foreign occupation. So that's the sort of uh, mentality they grew up. And you're right, a lot of them come from very poor families. They have sisters, they have mothers, they have, uh, 
they have they're just like ordinary humans you know and uh, because of the circumstances that's why they're there in that battlefield you know they don't know the truth and uh, they're just brainwashed but definitely they're they're humans they're just uh, you know it's it's just sad to hear yeah in the new york times article by isabel Kwe, she was like saying how the British people were saying like, yeah, no, that's nothing to do with us. We, that's not how we train him. We, we don't stand by that. I am sure, um, I don't think nah, any of those armies, whether it was US or, or, or the British or NATO in general, were trained to just kill civilians. But in, in war, civilians die, and especially in Afghanistan with the terrain and with with how the, the war was going on in villages. A lot of civilians got killed. A lot were underway and, and they, they did get killed. So it's just a sad story. And unfortunately with the situation in Afghanistan, 40 years of war, you have a lot of families, their kids were brainwashed, taken because of uh, they needed the money. So they let their kids go to these madrasas. They were brainwashed, you know, by militants and and told all sorts of stuff that your country is being occupied and, and you're going to be a freedom fighter. So they were innocent kids turned into these fighters. And they were humans if they got killed in the front lines. They had mothers, they had fathers, they had sisters, brothers who were waiting for them to come home, you know. So um, it's, 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 it's very sad to hear that. I think it's even more sad when someone has to brag about killing people. Let's take a moment of silence. Now, back to the present, back to where we are today. We are in Sag Harbor at 78 Main Street. Tell us about your story of origin, how you got here and where you came from. So, I am originally from Afghanistan. We were very young when we got out of Afghanistan. My father had his business in Saudi Arabia because of the war in Afghanistan, so he used to go back and forth, and he managed to get us out of Afghanistan in 1980, end of 1989. He had his business in Saudi Arabia, rugs, textiles, and uh, a lot of his uh, clients were Americans working for the oil companies, for the embassies, and the diplomats, you know. So we went to Saudi Arabia, we, we went to an American school. That's why I can speak English. <laughs> so. Uh, lived in Saudi Arabia and then for college university in London and um, in 2002 moved to Washington DC where I started a family line of work I wanted to continue what the grandfathers what my father was doing um, arts and crafts of Afghanistan and I kind of expanded it more than rugs and textiles just any arts and crafts uh, from Afghanistan so that we're able to help families create jobs for them and at the same time be able to show the beautiful side of the culture I think that was one of the main um, uh, factors that I continued the family line of work. I thought, you know, there's so much stuff going on on the news about Afghanistan. Nobody's talking about this beautiful arts, crafts, you know, the actual culture, you know, that Afghanistan was famous for. So mm -hmm. uh, just slowly it got uh, through support of friends and clients, you know, the business got bigger. And five years ago, I opened a branch in Sag Harbor. And I used to travel back and forth between here and Washington, D.C. often. And in the last two, three years, I've been here, um, you know, kind of permanently. And this little shop has become a little known amongst the locals and visitors in town. And like I say, I, I always say it's not just selling and buying here. It's really sharing culture, sharing what's uh, 
um, what I know of that culture and, and, and sharing all the beautiful treasures from there. Speaking of culture, mm -hmm. what was a cultural shock you had? Because England was your first English-speaking country that you went to live in, right? Yes. Was there a cultural shock that happened when you went to England versus when you came to America? Not too much of a culture shock because we went to an American school in Saudi. So our life compared to normal residents of Saudi Arabia was different. It was, it was a unique school. You know, it was like the only school in, in, in the city, the only or the second one in the city where we lived in Jeddah that was co-ed. Usually the public schools are, you know, separate. But so our life was kind of the culture shock was experienced when we moved to Saudi from Afghanistan. Um, but definitely, I mean, it was a shock in a way where I moved away from my family at the age of 18 for the first time, you know, uh, to London. And yeah, that was more of a culture shock to be away from family. Take us back to your first day of this American school in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. I read that thank you was the only word <laughs> that yeah. you knew. Tell me more about it. Yeah, um, when we came from Afghanistan, of course, we had gone only to public schools, Afghan public school. And in Saudi, when we were put in the American school, I went from fifth grade onwards, and no word of English whatsoever. The only thing, like you said, I knew was thank you. So anyone that asked me, what's your name, where are you from, all the students would be like, thank you, <laughs> thank you. Good thing it wasn't a bad word. Usually you learn a bad word. <laughs> but everyone was very helpful, the teachers. We were put in ESL uh, classes at first, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, the first two years it was mainly ESL classes. Once we, we learned the language, right, then we became just regular students. Uh, uh, but I think it was just a very good experience. I think that school just really acquainted us with this country, you know, uh, with the language, with the history. It was American textbooks, American teachers, and, and um, it was just a very good school. Um, uh, when we came to the U.S., a lot of uh, uh, Afghans and Americans, they were surprised to see how well we spoke English and how well we knew this country. Uh, and when we told them, we well, it's because of that school, so that's why. But, um, yeah, we're very grateful for that. Back to the Hamptons, back to where we are today in your beautiful shop. Mm -hmm. I want to know Afghan and Saudi Arabia as if you're telling me for the first time, as sure. if you're telling everyone for the first time. So I was born in Afghanistan and my family are from there and uh, I was at the age of nine when my father managed to get us out he was always he, he had his business in Saudi Arabia so he moved us there and we went to an American school in Saudi Arabia after graduating from the high school there I moved to college in London and once finished college in London I moved to Washington DC where I continued the family line of work and uh, dealing with arts and crafts of Afghanistan. My family's line of work was mainly rugs, but I expanded it to also all arts and crafts of Afghanistan. I wanted to continue what my forefathers were doing, providing jobs for families in Afghanistan, and especially at that time, 2002-2003, you know, it was war in Afghanistan, and all we heard on TV was just violence and, and, and killing, and I thought it's a good time to, to to showcase the, the culture, the beautiful things that Afghanistan was always known for. And so I kind of expanded more than rugs, textiles, and uh, vintage clothing, jewelry, and with the hope that we can create more jobs and also enlighten people's minds about Afghanistan. I love that. I love that because there's, you know, the America's perception of Afghanistan. And we can get into that a little bit later. But first, I would like to address that this is 
a family business and you're the fourth generation. That's right. That's it's,、uh... incredible. I need to know this.、Mm-hmm. And be honest, when you were a little boy, did you, or like, were you more rebellious? Were you like,、mm, Dad, I don't want to do what you do, or were you always like, I want to, you know, do this and continue the family? Or did you switch at one point? You were like, now I, I believe, and now I really want to. Honestly, as a kid, you know, because we were surrounded with rugs and and the shop, and we had to go to the sh- my father's store after school, so we were kind of sick of seeing this、yeah. stuff, you know. And and、uh, I think as、um, after high school, as you get more mature and and realize things and life valuable things, and I just realized how、uh, valuable this profession is, and and how how sad it would be if we left it, if none of us continued what the forefathers could. We're doing, you know, because they had put so much hard work, so much knowledge was there. I thought of it as a profession.、Uh, I had so much knowledge, you know. I was, I was in the shop listening to my father from the age of fourteen,、uh, fifteen. So that knowledge was always there, you know. And I thought it would be sad to just leave it.、Uh, so、um, after, especially getting into college, and then I realized it's just a. Uh, 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 it's a it's a good business to get into because of my knowledge. I had so I knew so much. What is the reason? What makes you the best at what you do? I'm not sure if anything makes me best, but I think、um, the fact that I'm dealing with culture and、um, people of of、um, you know humans in general who are well traveled, well cultured. They r- appreciate the value of culture, especially in this country, and especially in this little beautiful town that we're in. I think we lack culture, and what makes me unique here is that I bring culture. I bring this ancient culture,、um, four-generation family line of knowledge,、um, and people really appreciate that. I think that's what makes me unique here. Yeah, we definitely appreciate you here, and I can relate because being Chinese, when I was a kid, I'm going to be honest. And say that you know I was kind of ashamed of speaking the language because、mm-hmm. literally there was no one else、mm-hmm. around in the entire Hamptons. If you go on Wikipedia,、mm-hmm. the Asian population is point oh oh one. It's probably the two of us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I remember like not speaking the language. And one time, my grandmother was visiting me, and she was in the bathroom. And this is my school. It was like a play or a talent show. And she was like, "Oh, hey, Lulu," and she started speaking to me in Chinese. I did something. Unfathomable. I pretended like I didn't know her. I would never do that now, but I was just so embarrassed and and like how just something that made me very different. And now I see it as an asset, and I own up to it. Chinese is one of the oldest languages in the world.、Yeah. Chinese, Hebrew, and Greek, I think,、yeah. are the oldest three languages, and it's a cool thing to be a part of it. And I am now. I'm like extra proud to make up for the times where I was so shy from what made me me. So when it comes to you, what Do you think, or in which ways, are you preserving the Afghan culture in the Hamptons?、Um, I think the fact that、uh, you know I am、um, I'm giving jobs to families of of the of their ancient ways of doing art, embroidery, rugs. You know, that's preserving it. If we don't, then that art is gonna die, like a lot of arts and. From different cultures, people didn't support it. It died out, so that whole art died. And the way I'm preserving it is that I am showcasing it here, and and people like that. They're decorating their homes with these fabrics, with these textiles, you know. And、uh, it means more jobs for people. It means 
keeping preserving that 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 needle mm. you know that mm. art of needlework so that's how i'm uh, preserving and promoting that out here is there a proverb in afghanistan culture that you can share i love proverbs i love quotes no we have we in everyday language you know if you were in afghanistan you would probably hear proverbs everywhere so we have um, we have many proverbs but the one that that i like myself is that katra katra daryomegarda drop by drop makes a river Oh. And I, re I relate to that because I'm just a little drop of helping that culture, mm. you know. If there are more people, you know, mm -hmm. drop by drop makes a river. So mm. we can really help the country by providing jobs, by assisting families, by, you know, especially now we have, there are so many needy families in mm. Afghanistan. Uh, with, the, with the recent changes in the government, you know, women are banned from, from mm. going to school, university. There are a lot of widows in Afghanistan because of all these years of war, no source of income. So, you know, I'm whether it's through jobs or financial help, you know, I'm I'm doing what I can, and I'm just a little drop there. Mm. I hope to be the, there are more drops so that, I like that. it can. Uh, so, that's uh, but there are so many proverbs. <laughs> <laughs> There's actually a book one of the um, uh, former American uh, military commanders in Afghanistan when he was serving in Afghanistan, he just loved the culture. He's like, I want to do something for the culture. So he came up with a book, uh, Afghan Proverbs, translated into English. Oh, very cool. I have that book in my Washington, D.C. showroom. Very so, cool. What's the yeah. name of it? Um, it says Afghan Proverbs. Oh, that's a name? Yeah, it's the name I of the I have to look book. into it. Yeah. Very cool. The name of this podcast is called Winners Only Club. Uh -huh. What is your definition of a winner, and what's your definition of a loser? I think a winner is someone who does something from 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 the heart, and you mean it, and you have a uh, you have a a, um, a good intention towards it, and and you're just trying, not giving up. You're going through obstacles and walls, and and and, and people not believing in you, but you believe in that. And, and you just, regardless of all the obstacles and what you hear, you, you just believe it and you never give up and you keep fighting for it. That's what I call a winner. And a loser is someone, um, you know, who can give up easily on something. You know, just give up on, on, on hopes, aspirations, not even trying, you know. Um, that's, that's what a loser is to me. <laughs> Who is the biggest winner in your life? Biggest winner, I think, um, has to be my father because he came from a very hardworking family, you know, and he worked his way up and, and, and he put us, he regarded education as one of the, the most important thing. So he worked very hard. He put us in the best, um, you know, school and, and not just me, where there's uh, six, six of us, you know, so, um, for him to to come from that hardworking, humble family from Afghanistan, and 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 get us out of that war zone, and put us in the best schools, and and give us that choice of wherever we wanted to study, uh, you know, that's uh, so much gratitude. I can yeah. feel it in the way you speak about him. Mm -hmm. And speaking of, of him, this is actually a generational business, a family business. Mm -hmm. You are the fourth in line. Mm -hmm. When you were a kid, when you were a boy. Were you always thinking, hey, one day I'll also do some rugs and tapestries? Or did you think, hmm, no thanks, and then one day as you got older and became an adult, you were like, yes, this is what I have to do? 
when I look back at photos of me um, in my dad's shop when I was like 12, 13, you can actually see me with no shoes. You know, I'm actually <laughs> enjoying the rugs, walking bare feet, mm -hmm. and I'm jumping over the piles of rugs and then, then you know. Um, so that shows as a kid, you know, enjoyed being around, you know, rugs and all that. I didn't, uh, I don't know if I was like very interested at that time to continue the business, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a very hard, tough business. But as I grew up, I think I, I, uh, I um, realized the value of culture and what Afghanistan was unique about and, and the labor that goes into making these things. So it became something very precious to me. Do you have siblings? Yes, we're four brothers and two sisters. And they were interested or not? Not so much, no. not as much as me, yeah. We all had that uh, uh, choice of, of continuing the family line of work. Uh, none of them were interested, except my youngest brother. When he saw me, I think, he his interest came. So me and him are together now oh, in this line of cool. work. And, and he, yeah, he's... Uh, he has as much passion and enthusiasm as me. What about your other siblings? They're all doing their own things, you know, and, and they're married with kids, and then they're all do, uh, doing very well, very successful in their own line of work, yeah. Yeah. When it comes to your religion, mm -hmm. I don't know. I looked on Wikipedia. It said 99.9% yeah. .9 are Muslims, yeah. right? So is it okay for a Muslim to date a non-Muslim? In my family, in the religion, yes, you know, my, in fact, my brother is married uh, to a Bolivian-American, you know, and, and uh, I think the way we were taught was that as long as it's, it's humanity, really, you know, that's what matters. And my religion teaches me that, too, you know, to, you know, the first and foremost is humanity. We think of humanity and, and uh, I think if when you're just a good human being, you're you're just a good human. That's all that matters, you know. And uh, um, I like to think uh, very positively about religions. That religions were there to civilize us, to 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 teach us how to live, to to survive in in this world, you know. And uh, and now our human mind knowledge is beyond all that stuff, and that we can think of humanity as a whole kind of religion itself, you know. Do you think America has a brainwashed perspective on Afghanistan? Um, I'm sure there are people that don't know Afghanistan and its culture well. They just judge it by what what they see on TV and, you know, I've, and I've come across people like that. But in general, people are educated, even the ones that don't know how the people are they judge it by by the news they're willing to communicate and listen to you and and understand what the real story is you know and also there are people that are well traveled you know that have seen the world that have that that know uh, that uh, you know religions and all religions you have extremists you know and and they don't represent the whole religion or the whole sect from that religion so I think overall people are well educated here and, and they're willing to um, have this conversation instead of just judging. I would like to know in general, what is Afghanistan's perception towards America mm -hmm. and towards China and towards mm -hmm. Russia? You can take a minute each. 
Well, I'll start with uh, America. When America was there, Afghans were very grateful, and I always shared that sentiment with with uh, American friends here. That, um, you know, it was it was. Uh, we heard a lot of bad things, corruption and everything within government. But overall, you know, there was a lot of good things happening in terms of education, in terms of freedom for women. You know, uh, freedom of. Uh, 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 you know, just being able to work and get be educated, you know, that was r really happening in the country, and you could see it, you know, you could see little kids uh, with their uniform, backpacks, going to school, you know, just all over the country. Mm. Those were good things. And now people in Afghanistan do not have a very um, good feeling of this country because they, they feel they were left alone. They feel they were teased and, and uh, with democracy and freedom, and then left to the wolf and that's what happened you know u.s just left afghanistan and now the taliban have taken uh, they have taken over and it's back to square one you know the woman can't work woman can't uh, uh, study um, it's just it's just a really bad situation so america uh, afghans don't have a very good feeling of this country with china not too much feeling, but recently the Taliban government has been working a lot with the Chinese. The Chinese really? are getting all the projects, you know, all the major contracts in Afghanistan. Um, there are a lot of natural resources in Afghanistan that, the, the, you know, there are contracts of them, lithium and copper and gold. And uh, so uh, the Chinese companies are getting all those contracts, so they have a very good relation with the Taliban actually with the one of the only uh, two or three countries that have a good relation with the Taliban the Chinese and which one was the other country Russia 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 we've had a past with them we have had a very brutal 10-year war in the 80s with the Russia you know most people don't have a very good um, feeling about Russia but the, the 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 bad feeling of US that that has overtaken the Russian feeling. So people, when they think of Russian times, you know, they actually think of it as better than what happened in the last 18 years. You know, in the last 18 years, a lot of things got destroyed. Whereas the Russians, you know, now looking back, they were building things. There are still buildings intact from the Russian times. And Interesting. So it's like at that time, people thought it was the worst thing, you know. And now, after all these years, you look back, people actually think of those times, uh, the, the, the good times, because extremism had not taken over. The religious extremists were, oh. were not there, you know. So um, you had women working, we had women teachers, you had uh, schools, you know, and, and so... Yeah. So right now, Afghanistan has it's more kind of, it's worse than negative feelings towards the U.S. The U.S. than Russia. Yeah. Wow. I actually read in an article that you yeah. were helping the young woman in Afghanistan. You and I think your sister, you were sending yeah. money to her, and she was buying rice and flour and showing up to the houses and giving them cash to help the young woman. Why did you feel the need to help them? Because there's so many needy families being from there, you know, I have a lot of relatives and I hear stories all the time. Um, you know, so some some families, they, they need medical uh, financial help. Their kid is ill. They need a surgery. They don't have the money. So when you see something like that, it's hard not to have a feeling. So you want to do anything you can to help them. There are families like that that we have helped. 
there are families that where I have sponsored their girls from like seventh grade up mm -hmm. to high school and college, and now they're nurses. You know, I sponsored their education. I, to I told their parents, that let them go to school, let them be nurses, because this country needs nurses, you know. Uh, this country needs midwives, you know. So um, we have helped those sort of families in the past. Currently, I'm helping a lot of women, girls who have lost jobs, widows who have no source of income for their kids, you know, just financial help. You can't do anything else right now for them, you know, or if they need medical help, you know, with, with the financial to get their ill child, uh, uh, you know, uh, get them to the hospital, get them the surgery that they need. Um, so just helping them financially currently, whatever I can do, you know, at the end of the month, you know, I, I just try to, to send the money and there's all, there are people that identify the needy families uh, in Kabul and surrounding cities. But every day I get calls. It's a whole different, it's a story every day, a different story, a more sad story. It just gets so sad that it's beyond uh, imagination, like how you can imagine a, m a mother with five kids, you know, and, and, and almost all of them are sick. How is she surviving? Mm. She has no job. And she's just living off of that aid the neighbors are giving her, you know. Yeah. So there's all these sad stories. Yeah, you know. and it's very kind and generous and humbling of you to be so of use and helpfulness towards them. How much does it cost to live a month on average in Afghanistan? On average in Afghanistan, I would say, with hundred hundred fifty dollars, you can you can a fa family of three or four kids. That's like the lowest, you know. You can survive, I think. That's uh, yeah. Then that's not, you know. With and w we have very winter, very harsh winters in Afghanistan. You know, very cold. They need heating. They need uh, yeah. So between hundred to two hundred dollars, the minimum, mm. you know, for a household to be able to get. Wow. Let's direct the energy back to the business mm -hmm. that we are in right now, mm -hmm. which is Zamani House of Heritage. Question, mm -hmm. where do you get all these beautiful pieces? They're literally like art. Mm -hmm. Where do you get all these things? So we have antique pieces, we have vintage pieces, we have new pieces. The old antique ones are things that my father collected, my, my grandfather collected. Uh, I have acquired from collectors, you know, uh, from some auctions, you know. The, uh, the newer pieces are things that the families in Afghanistan are currently making them. Uh, and uh, I'm, v I'm very happy to concentrate on those new things more because they're providing jobs currently, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, I like to promote the newer things and, 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 and sell more of the newer things so that we can order more, we can give more jobs to the families. Mm -hmm. If you're not doing this right now, mm -hmm. what would you be doing? I probably would have been a warlord in Afghanistan. Really? <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm joking. I don't know what I would be. Maybe I, I used to like airplanes a lot, so uh -huh. maybe I would have been a pilot. You know, I love airplanes even now, you know, I can... Um, I can look at the sky and point out a plane and tell you exactly what it is. Wow. Is it Boeing, Airbus, what model? Yeah, so. How did you develop your passion for airplanes? Just 
little kid in Afghanistan in the sky, you know. <laughs> Very cool. But I go to uh, airports and I mm. try to find those spots where you can see land and uh-huh. take off. So, wow, yeah. that's very interesting. I think they call yeah. it plane spotters or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. Instead of like people watchers, you're plane watchers? Yeah, exactly. Nice. What is your plans for your future self and for the future of your business? My future self, I think I've uh, definitely found my my home. I love Sag Harbor. I want to be here and I want to bring culture, my culture here and share the beautiful side of my culture. Right now I'm already dealing with the arts and crafts. One day I hope to open a, a little Afghan food. Uh, oh, that here. would be amazing. That's, that's what's missing out yeah. here. I joke with my friends. I'm like, I'm going to name it Sagistan. And so I just like to bring culture, you know, uh, music, uh, food, arts and crafts. That I feel those three things are really something very beautiful about my culture. So my aim is to share more culture here with, 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 with my friends that I've made here with the locals and, and visitors around here. And in general, I hope to be able to... Uh, through that expansion of my business and, and, and progress in the business, I hope to be, be able to reach out to more families, more needy people, help more families, and, and especially the ones that are ill, they need medical help, they need to, um, you know, just, just help to survive, to reach out to them and, and also provide more jobs, get into more fashion and, and get designs from here so that we give jobs in Afghanistan and, and, and they're making things and they're, uh, you know how they're supporting themselves through these jobs so that's that's my goal do you ever experience racism because I certainly have I have too but n- not that much you know uh, I uh, I did in the beginning when I moved to this country I used to go to a lot of these flea markets you know and that's how I kind of started so I met all sorts of people, people from uh, remote areas of the country where, you know, they, they were not, uh, uh, they had not interacted with a foreigner, you know, or especially someone from Afghanistan. So they had, they had their own thoughts and feelings, yeah. exactly. But like I said, even people like that, they're willing to listen and talk to you. Some of those people that, that, that had bad feelings about me or my culture, now they're my really good friends. So that interaction is the best way i think to get those misconceptions yes. out of the way you know so transformation exactly yeah love uh, that where can people find you for our listeners and viewers well um i am uh, based in washington dc georgetown of washington zamani house of heritage you can google and the address will come Sterling, Virginia, which is right next to Washington, D.C., and Sag Harbor, 78 Main Street, Sag Harbor, Zamani House of Heritage. Yay! Thank you so much, Timor, for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Yay. <laughs> you know, what you said before was actually really, like, interesting. Like, if you actually have an Afghanistan yeah. food spot, yeah. I would love that in fact if we make imagine if we take over this entire cove and make yeah. this asian like yeah. we have a bubble tea spot because i've always thought if i ever like have a little business we have a bubble tea spot in the hamptons and add a shot of collagen to yeah. because we're <laughs> yeah. in the hamptons yeah, yeah that's it yeah. so that's a wrap my reading and writing is probably better than an american that went to a public school here you know <laughs> yeah